Hello, Logic friends. Glenn Teal here, the host of episode 42 with particle guru Sinan Veral. If you want to learn about Flame's somewhat archaic particle system, I highly recommend checking out Logic Live episodes 2 and 108. Sinon also has a Logic Academy video detailing the particle system. Before we start, here's a quick word from our sponsors. This episode of the Logic Podcast is brought to you by AJA, together with Flame since 2006. We would like to welcome to the Logic family our friends at HotSpring. HotSpring is the future of VFX outsourcing. HotSpring connects you to great artists to get your projects done, making it easier than ever to access the best talent around the world. I highly encourage if you need any help with Roto, Paint, 3D Match Move, or Cleanup, give the folks at HotSpring a shout. You will not be disappointed. www.thehotspring.com And last but not least, Logic Academy Pro. If you haven't checked it out yet, I highly recommend it. There are so many cool courses that range from CG car replacement, Nuke for Flame Artists, Mocha, color management, VFX supervision, and also meetups for mentoring your career. So check out pro.logic.tv if you are interested. Hey, Sanan. How are you doing? I'm okay, man. I just made it home. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Thank. You. I know. I know it's getting late for you. So no, thank no, you it, for it, doing it's, that. It's okay. No problem. Awesome. Awesome. Was it? Was it a busy day at the office? Or <laughs> um, well, it, it wasn't a busy day at the office. My my daughter plays the cello, and she had to make a recording for an audition. So she came over to my office. We recorded her video and audio. I did some editing and uploaded to YouTube. Ordered some food, just made it home. So I'm in this weird corner of my bedroom at the moment. So apologies for that. <laughs> hey, no worries. No worries. Yeah. And, you know, it's recording video, but I only released the audio. So don't even worry about it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah. Welcome to the show. Um, I'm really happy to have you on here. Thanks. I've seen, yeah, your Logic Lives, which are amazing. And then I watched one of your Academy videos. So, and I know the community loves this, you know, all the particles and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like a really niche tool in in the flame. Actually, I think I am one of the only guys who you, you who pushes it uh, to its extremes. Um, but yeah, I like to play around with it always. Yeah, for sure. No, it's I mean, it's amazing. And on your last Logic Live. Like maybe a day or two prior to that, I was doing like a little matte painting, cloning trees and, you know, putting stuff in the background. And then at the very end, you had mentioned doing a little bit of that with particles and that kind of blew my mind. Um, yeah, I'd love to see a demo of that one of these days. I, I should maybe like make a small video of it, but I mean, it would be hard to explain for a podcast maybe, but for a documentary that I was doing like 20 years ago, I think. I had uh, a camera track that was basically like a drone shot over a, a historical remnants of a city. So this was built by model makers to, to scale and the director wanted to liven it up. So I added like, since it was a top down shot, I added like particles here and there. I approximated or guesstimated the geometry and I added trees all over the place. Because it was a top shot and it was like geometries, it sort of worked. Uh, but 
for like a 2D matte painting, it would definitely work because you just need to paint where you want to like emit the particles and then adjust the numbers so you get like a nice distribution there. But I mean, the, the all these ideas, of course, work better with video. So maybe I should do like small snippets like that. I would love that. Yeah, yeah. If you have the time, please do. That'd be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing is I made like a series of six videos, I think, that were on my channel. Uh, I don't know if you saw them. They were like eight to ten minutes. I need to go check those out. I, I feel like maybe I've come across one a few years ago because you've been doing this for a while, right? On your personal channel? Yeah, I mean, it, it was like a week that I had free. So every night I recorded like 10 minutes and just pushed it out. Amazing. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, yeah, I got to go back and check that out. because <laughs> That's awesome. So how, how did you get started in post-production or on Flame? What, what's your backstory? Okay. Um, my first experience with computer graphics i must tell this is 1985 on a commodore 64 computer okay um and with this magazine published by the turkish uh, distributor of commodore on its second issue there came like a small program where you entered xyz coordinates of points and then line you have a database of points, so one, two, three, four, five, whatever. Then you gave them, gave the program um, another list of lines from P1 to P2, P2 to P3, P3 to P4, P4 to P1. So that makes like a rectangle. And then you would go and write like your rotation scale and ro transformation data. And that was the first time that I did 3D animation on a computer rotating my name. But professionally, um, that computer magazine, fast forward to eight years, I became the uh, senior editor of. And during that time, we also had some meddling with Amiga computers. So that was like 3D programs done, uh, real 3D being the first one I played around with. Another fast forward to 1993, I sort of got like a junior position at a very small post-production company, which was the boss and the main graphics artist, uh, an offline editor or an online editor, and like a secretary. And I was the f fourth employee. Oh, wow. Um, so we did 3D graphics, a Pentium, no. A 386, not even a Pentium. I remember those. My first computer was a <laughs> 386, and my hard disk was 760 megabytes, including operating system, applications, and data. So, yeah, I used the now defunct 3D animation program called 3DGS or something. I don't even remember the name. And then 3D Studio, Release 2, Release 3, Release 4, 3D Studio Max. And this was around 1994 that we got sort of a partner investor and oh, we okay. got ourselves the first Flint on uh, Indigo Maximum Impact or something. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, cool. Can you, can you just, because I forget the... Was Flint basically Flame just on different hardware? Was that the only difference? Yeah. So Flame family of products was Flame. Um, Flame was the main one, but Flint could only do up to 8 bits. So you couldn't do 10 bits or 12 bits on 
Flint. Oh. And of course, it was running on a limited hardware, so no real-time I.O. It was, I, I don't know what the reasoning behind this was, but okay. Flame 5.0, I think, corresponded to Inferno 1. Or, yeah, so, yeah, because Inferno was like three versions behind. Oh, interesting. In okay. the naming convention, but... Inferno did like the heavy lifting of everything. So discrete logic then was differentiating between the hardware platforms by sort of crippling the software. Inferno had everything, um, including modular keyer, 3D keyer, and color warper, I think. And some of these weren't available on Flame. Uh, And on Flint, you could only use the subset tools of Flame and only up to 8-bit, so... Difference. <laughs> there were, like, yeah, um, right. hardware, software, and price uh, ranges, because, yes, uh, the Flame, including the hardware, was around 300,000 euros, or US dollars, which is almost equivalent. Okay. Uh, Inferno on an Onyx was around 700,000 oh US dollars, and you could get a Flint for... A measly ninety thousand uh, dollars. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is back in the proprietary hardware day. You know the true turnkey systems. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, it was they were they were competing with uh, Quantel products, which were like yeah, the Rolls Royce done. Yeah, right, right. I know. Yeah. And Quantel's kind of disappeared over the. I mean, they're still around, but they're not really. I don't hear no, too many people no. using <laughs> Quantel. No, products, they're, they're so. not a thing anymore. Hopefully, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so when you first jumped on Flint, what was that experience like for you? Coming from 3D and yeah, did you come? Yeah. Did you work in compositing prior to Flint, or well, compositing wasn't a thing before Flint. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I yeah, I mean, okay. Uh, on the 3D side, I had really limited compositing tools basically if i wanted like a light effect i would render one pass for the geometry and another pass for the light only and i would have to write a script comp image light whatever the naming convention is um like zero zero one add over background zero zero one so it would do like this display one and (laughs) add the on top add the light layer on top doing the mathematical computation on the video display card and then getting that data back into the disk that's crazy okay okay wow (laughs) and was that in 3d s max you were doing that you were kind of compositing within that this was this was like the 3d studio not max but I think 3D Studio Max had something like that, but uh, 3D Studio release 3 and 4 had some sort of layering system that you would go through uh, sequential frames and it would render each one of them uh, separately. But it was nothing like what we had in Flint. Right. Okay. Yeah, with Flint, you actually had a UI to do things. You didn't have yes. to code it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I bet the code helps you out when it comes to expressions and, I mean, different types of code. But yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, it wasn't like complicated code. It, you were, I was just writing like a sequential script going through the numbers. Yeah. And it would just like comp the images in an order. And that was it. There was nothing like tracking or painting or anything. It was just 
a image A over B and record it to disk. That's and it. then when you when that company got the Flint, did you become the co- compositor at the company or was there someone else and you had to kind of rise up through the ranks or no there was uh, there was no one else i, I was okay. the first ge- <laughs> i was one of the first generation of visual effects artists in turkey probably um oh, okay so, okay so this was all in turkey or yes uh, yeah, yeah, yeah oh yes. no way okay yeah okay. so this is 1994 in turkey there are like three post-production houses and five visual effects people in the country okay gotcha (laughs) amazing yeah so the first flint comes and we're just like looking at it and trying to figure out how the ui works i got the the thick orange tutorial book okay i go through it i can't figure something out so i just like for one month i think i struggled with it with the uh purchase came a week of uh training at soho studio in london so oh, nice. after, after a month, I went to London, and in those five days, I was enlightened. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're like, why couldn't I have done this earlier? Oh, that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even imagine, especially back then. the The UI was so different than now. I mean, just importing a clip was a yes. Yeah. And thing is, we didn't have the priority editor. Oh, uh, you weren't able to like change the order of rendering of the images in the comp, so you have to like plan ahead. And if there was a change, <laughs> start over. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because this is prior to batch, right? It was all desktop back then. Yes. It was, yeah. 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 Action. Action. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Awesome. Well, then, so from Flint, and what type of work were you doing? Was it commercials or? Yeah, TV commercials. Okay. Yes. Okay, cool. And then what was the next uh, step in your uh, flame journey? Did they finally buy a flame or what was? uh... I really fought hard with my boss not to do it. But for the sake of the naming, he went and bought an old Inferno on an end of life hardware for the same price of a new flame on a Tezero. So on one hand, you could get... Flame 7.0 running on a new Tezro uh, for $250,000. Yeah, the measly. And, <laughs> yes. And then he found this Onyx One uh, with the Inferno 2.5, which corresponded to Flame 5.5, I think. And he went for the Inferno name. Okay. Because Inferno was what the other bigger post-production companies had. So he had to fight with the name. Yes. Okay. But older hardware, older software. So And uh, unupgradable software, that is. I was oh, locked geez. to 2.5 for, for like a really long time. Wow. Did, but jumping from Flint to that older Inferno, was it good? Or were you kind of like... Eh. It was good. Okay. okay. Uh, well, it was good because, I mean, you, you could actually hear the Flint doing the comp. The disc array would go tick 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 tick. So it's reading like tick 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 rendering. Then tick. Wow! No way! That's amazing. That was how it went with it. Yeah, it, I mean, I had like a, a like a uh, you know the small Synology uh, NAS boxes now. Yeah. 
my disc was like that. It was an external hard disk, and I could only play out to tape 110 PAL frames in one go. That was the amount that could be loaded into RAM and played in real time. (laughs) Wow. Okay. That's not even a full commercial right there. No, it's like five seconds. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. So I'm curious when, when you guys were doing commercials, say on Inferno back then, Mm -hmm. you were, it was probably mostly shot based, right? Yeah. And then. Was the conform being done on a, was smoke even around then? Or what was the conform? Uh, smoke was around. People were using smoke, but I had figured out how to load an EDL into Inferno. And I was, well, it wasn't conf, it was like. Like eye matching kind of. Well, yes. I mean, offline, online, eye matching, but at least I got the shots that I needed uh, from an EDL. So it was like a very prehistoric form of conform. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, nothing multi-layered. It was just single layer. And then I would manually grab what I needed to do the comps. I see. Okay. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Okay. And then do you think you approach, coming coming from like the earlier versions of Flame, Inferno, and Flint, do you think you approach comps uh, maybe differently than a newer artist who already has Batch? Being a flame artist, you always have to like keep up with what's new. I don't know I'm that different from a new artist approaching a shot. Thing is, knowing where the tools came from and how they developed, I think it gives me an advantage over like younger artists. But I I trained a whole batch of um, junior artists in my time. And I always tell them, I mean, you are so lucky because you have all these tools like 2D tracking, planner tracking, camera tracking, but you are so very unlucky because you didn't grow up with them. They were just given to you and they struggle with which one to use under which circumstance. And that comes with experience. Mm -hmm. Of course, while they experience, gather experience, they find their own way probably. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But being the sort of old one we always had to do with like limited budgets on everything like time like tools we used to paint the drop shadows with i mean um or like we we had to make use of a lot of time saving stuff on on rendering so yes that that might give us an edge but i don't know i mean with 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 other artists, it's always I have been the senior and they've been like looking up to me and coming to me. But yeah, I do try to keep up with times. But I mean, the approaches everyone has it have their own approach, so it's probably different. I don't know. exactly. What I've noticed is some of the uh, the more senior artists I've worked with in the past, if they started in say the early to mid nineties they utilize action for almost everything. Like they'll do a lot of modular keyers within action. And yeah. Yeah. Whereas some of the newer, and I came, I started on flame in 2015. So I'm still Mm -hmm. somewhat new Mm -hmm. and I try and do everything in batch as much as possible. I'll use action for tracking and whatnot, but I'll try and keep everything Mm -hmm. in batch just so it's like there instead of going into all these layers. Yes. I completely agree. I mean, action, I do not, ever use the media layer, color correction, slip, crop, 
or Kier in the action media layer. I keep all of those outside of the action because I usually make use of them somewhere else along the uh, the flow. So downstream, upstream, I will use a mask there somewhere else. So I have to have them exposed. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm very much like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, the, do that off. Yeah, because sometimes it could get a little overwhelming almost if everything's in one action and you're just like, wait, what layer is this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay. Totally. Okay. <laughs> All right. So how long were you working in uh, Turkey? Because now you're up in uh, Norway. So yeah. 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 Uh, it, in 2019, um, I got a, well, I was looking to move out of Turkey for like a couple of years from 2017, I guess. Yeah. And I talked to like um, fellow flame artists uh, during IBC all around Europe. And it's hard coming from Turkey because Turkey is sort of a developing country or a third world country or whatever you put it, it's a little bit backwards, okay. right? Economically and in these last years, yeah. politically a bit. Oh, so that, that was the basically reason that we were, as a family, trying to move to Europe. Okay. We were actually going to like bite the bullet and move to Berlin, uh, and I would search out like freelance positions. But luckily, it was actually Fred Warren who put me into contact with uh, the company I'm working now. I did not used to use Facebook a lot, but one day... Fred Warren tagged me and I, what? Fred Warren? I go there and this company is actually looking for like a senior flame artist. So I write to them, they write back. We got into like uh, talking. They sent me one or two shots and then they sent me a ticket. They hosted me here and then offered me the position. So amazing. here we are. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Congrats. Yeah, congratulations. How how have you liked Norway and how has the transition been? I know it's been a couple of years, but you know, that seems like a big transition from Turkey. So. Uh, Norway is first compared to Turkey, very cold. <laughs> yes. But, um, <laughs> totally, totally. The, uh, I sort of can guess how it is. I mean, we all talk about this on the forums, how clients are, how demanding they are, like last minute changes. Are you free over the weekend? Like four word, uh, hell words, like Randy asked. Norway in that sense is very laid back and the clients and everybody's easygoing okay. and the, um, the working environment is really chill. So it's great to be here. Uh, yeah, professionally, I'm, I couldn't be happier anywhere else, I'm telling you. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah so congrats. when I first moved here, uh, flame artist colleague, partner in the company, Taria, he asked me if I would be bored here because I used to supervise um, – a group of 10 flame artists and the 3D department back in Turkey. So he asked me if I would be bored here because, I mean, we're a small company, like product, and, and this is a production company, not a post-production company. Oh, wow. Um, I said, well, no, because I was sick and tired of dealing with the clients and the agencies because you have to, like, get yourself ironclad when you're budgeting for stuff. So you're going to shoot it like this, not like this. Please light it correctly. I will be on set, but you can't do this. You should be doing this. So 
you write a long list of requirements and somehow you get nailed every time because they find something that you have not ever thought about. Um, I said, Tarja, no, I'm, I'm right. done with dealing with clients. I miss to like hold the pen and do comps. So I'm yeah. really happy here. Okay. Oh, that's great. Okay. So prior to you leaving Turkey, you were more in like the supervisor role, less, yeah. less on yeah. the box doing yes. shots. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a weird transition. I've had a few projects where I just supervised mm -hmm. and I just felt like you're on email all the time. You're on calls. You're, I, I like doing the work. That's what I yes. prefer to. Yes, yeah. exactly. I mean, I don't want to deal with people asking questions about stuff. I just want to like solve problems. Yes, exactly. Okay. So now, now that it's a production company, do you work on a lot of the productions that come in? Is that how it works? Like whatever they shoot there or? Well, we are a really small production company. They are like four partners and I'm the fifth employee and the company is like six people. And we specialize in motion control desktop TV commercials. Uh, oh, okay. So a lot of food stuff. A lot of food stuff, yes. So yeah. we have two camera robots, one from uh, Mark Roberts. The other uh, is a hacked Yasakawa robot. And wow, it's... sounds cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if, you, if, you, if, you, if, if you buy it through Mark Roberts, it's seriously expensive. And our company went to Japan and bought it directly from the robotics company. And we have... A software developer, he meddles with all these robots. So he like changed the firmware and made it uh, possible to run the cam motion control program with it. So we have two camera robots, one model mover. And the thing is, two of the uh, partners are flame artists. One of them used to be. He, he's not doing any anything now. But so when we get a project, we all put our effort into it. Um, I also work during pre-production, so I help out with finding references. When the storyboard is done, we do a proper animatic. Nice. So I do that in Flame as well. And so I also do like Flame on set. So whenever, whatever we're shooting, the shot is captured directly into Flame. I put it on top of the animatic. So. As the day progresses, I have like an onset edit of the whole film. So at the end of the day, when the client is leaving, they see a complete edit of the film. Wow, that's pretty amazing. So yeah, so after that, it's of course uh, up to the editor if there are like additional shots to be find, found, but the whole flow or the sequence of the shots is more or less there. You're like 60%, 70% of the way there. Wow. At the end of the uh, shoot day. So sometimes I do the editing, sometimes someone else does it, but it's usually like um, the, the whole process, I'm there from start till the end. That's awesome. That's very cool because, yeah, a lot of the times as a flame artist, you come in at the very end. You had no connection. Here you to are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fix it and deliver it, please. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome. So how... If you don't mind me asking, how do you get the live? Is it a live feed in, or does it go through like a DIT and then you get the footage? Uh, 
Um, well, I am. I am the DID. You are the DID. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so um, uh, on set, we we have this small setup of Macs. One is a Mac Mini, which has an external Blackmagic something Duo card. So I have two inputs and two outputs. Yeah. I can capture up to um, four camera streams, not concurrently, but. We're working on that. So I usually have I have a small uh, vision mixer or like a patch panel for video ins and video outs. We're running a software called uh, Isadora from Troikotronics, which is very similar to Touch Designer. In oh, I'm not familiar. Okay, these are like live performance platforms for VJs or gotcha. uh, video mapping, that sort of stuff. So cool. it's like touch, touch designer. We're probably going to change to touch designer. So on that Mac, uh, I record what has what has been gotten on camera because we usually shoot uh, with high frame rate. So it's a phantom shooting at 400 right. frames per second. So they play back what they shot. I capture it, import it into flame and put it into the timeline if I need to do like overlays, basic keying stuff. It's all done on the set. So it's like one Mac Pro is running a flame, another Mac Mini is like doing the capture. Oh, cool. Wow, that's awesome. Have you, because I've worked on a few shoots or, you know, I've gotten footage of some phantom, you know, footage. Um, Do you find, and I'm sure every shot or every project is different, but is there a sweet spot for frame rate for like high speed? Um, it it changes a lot with what you're trying to achieve. With yeah. flames, you want to go as high as possible. Around 1,000 is usually enough, but 500 to 1,000. Okay. If you're like putting some sauce on, I don't know, ketchup on hot dogs, it's around 200 frames. Or if you're rolling some uh, nuts in a in a barrel, for example, that's 400 frames. But oh, wow. it all depends on the scale of the shot or the scale of the objects that you're shooting and the the motion, basically. So for chips cracking or like chips meeting with other chips in midair, it's four to six hundred. But it's all around the place. There is not a sweet spot for everything okay with the experience we decide what to shoot yeah for sure i'm curious are there any tricks that you guys utilize that the average viewer would have no idea of how that happened like you just explained about how chips exploded like how do you guys do some of this that stuff well on a recent commercial (laughs) we shot uh, like a ball pepper from the top Right, so it's yeah. Um, the ball popper is rotating on its own axis, and the camera is looking at it from the top, and then it explodes into like freck, uh, what particles? Like it's yeah. it's basically pepper, right? Uh, ground pepper, let's say. Okay. So that transition is actually a cut, which works best. <laughs> so okay, from the you. ball pepper <laughs> to like it's like a probably uh, a thousand frames so time warps are my friend so i use like very high speed or like normal speed for the first three frames and then in five frames i go down to the like 500 frames per second shot so it goes pop gotcha yeah and slowly dissipates so lots of time warps um 
and because we have the motion control robot, uh, a lot of the stuff we can shoot with clean plates with moving camera. Yeah, that's got to help. So, yeah, I mean, like that ball pepper, if it needs to spin in space and just not to be connected anywhere, of course, it's rotating on a rod and the camera is like rotating around it. But you remove the rod and the pepper and you just so cool. rotate the camera around it again. You just have the background and you can easily mask and like remove the rod that's holding the pepper in place. Nice. Oh, that's so cool. So cool. Did you do any of this down in Turkey or was it brand new for you when you moved up to Nor- Norway? It was It was sort of brand new for me when I moved up here because we didn't have a lot of commercials that utilized motion control robots. We only had one there. And it wasn't actively used. So, but I did use motion control robots, and that was one of the jobs that I had completed recently uh, when I sent the guys over here that we shot with a motion control rig. But it wasn't high speed, it was just like a frozen moments type of commercial. You know, yeah. one actor is moving uh, in front, um, in the midst of like everything frozen in space, and the camera moves with them. Oh, okay. That sort of thing. Okay. Yeah, because I feel like that's a very specialized side of even flame because I haven't even seen a lot of that footage. You know, I've maybe done like one kind of tabletop thing in the last five years. So it's like, I feel like it's very specialized. (laughs) It is very specialized. I mean, I think I asked uh, my colleagues here who came up with this idea of like combining industrial robots with high speed, high frame rate cameras. And they said, I think it was the Marmalade, uh, this uh, company in Germany that first came up with the idea. It's really ingenious. I mean, I'm really um, hard on myself. I should have been there. I I should have thought of this first, but I learned that trick from someone else. So there are like tricks or like techniques that people develop, and I'm really in awe of them. Yeah. Okay. Very nice. Like this additive cure thing. Who came up with it? <laughs> right. <laughs> Who thought about using this floating point negative values and like adding the hair detail? Yeah. Who thought about that? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I agree. I'm like, yeah, just people experimenting endlessly until they yeah. come up yeah. with a solution, which is pretty amazing. Um, yeah. yeah. So are there certain kind of, uh, well, I'm trying to think like, you know, talking about people exploring, what are you kind of exploring these days in flame? I, I know you're really big into particles and all of that, but like, have you been yeah, tinkering yeah. with other things that? Yes. Um, well, like I said, this additive care thing, mm-hmm. apart from just using the matchbox or setups, I was trying to understand how it worked. I, additive keying and image-based keying. So oh, yeah. there, there is not like a document explaining how it works. But Britt Kemper, I think, I hope I'm not butchering his last name, uh, did a very nice Logic Live episode where he sort of broke down the whole process of additive keying. So then the bulb went, aha, okay. So that's how I like went in there and tried to pick up some stuff and, of course, tried to improve on it. Mm -hmm. I got it. That's another... Logic Live, I have to rewatch. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, definitely. I mean, uh, that one and Richard Betts' keying show. Yes, that was like I think it was forty or forty-one. That was mind blowing. Yeah, that was that was great. 
once again need to rewatch it. And then uh Mirren, um I Yes Step Stefani or Stepani, uh yeah. he had another great one yes. too. Yeah. That yeah, was yeah, yeah. The, yes, he showed similar. how to get like a, a uniform flat background. Yes. Yeah. Mihram Stepanian. Yeah, which uh, there you go. There you go. Yeah. That's how you pronounce it. Yeah. You know, it's I I had done a bunch of FX PhD videos way back in the day, you know, just consuming them and learning. And uh, Sam Edwards had another good one on uh, creating more of a clean background, you know, for green screen or blue screen. And he used like this whole grid technique and it, it was it was pretty cool, but uh, very, very similar. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, I didn't. No. I was thinking about getting the FX PhD uh, videos, but I never got around to them. Yeah, they're good. I mean, I feel like you might be at a level where you know the, you're like, oh, I already know all that. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, you should do a class with them, <laughs> or uh, or a, a Logic uh, Academy Pro. You know, you should you should do that. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I was one of the first ones that uh, we talked with Randy when he first set this thing up. But unfortunately, I I didn't have the time either to like commit to it and then yeah it's a huge yeah it's a huge commitment and then also it depends on time zone where you're at and yeah i mean the, the, I, i'm part of the community too and i've been enjoying it but the hardest part for me is attending live sessions because it's normally during my work day and yeah so it's it's hard i normally try and catch up on the the replays and i've been enjoying finn's uh cg series so looking forward to that continuing yes but um yeah yeah i mean finn finn is another like crazy guy <laughs> yeah. out there we, we we worked on a project together oh, cool. i mean i did two shots for a, a project for him um uh, with the um distort node i did like two morph shots for him but he's really fun to work with and he's got this like he earned that finn's color club <laughs> the channel on discord basically he's the like the, the i mean we're actually we thought i suggested this to taria maybe we should get finn for like a weekend or like two days of session for to norway and get it from the horse's mouth how it works for us how oh, it would cool. work through resolve and flame yeah so yeah he he's the color guy i, I know mean, no for but, sure for sure and you know speaking of color do you grade these spots too, like in Flame, or does it go to a colorist to do? 50% of the projects, I do the grade mm -hmm. as well. Some big projects go to Company 3 or some ah, other like high-end grading studios. But if they are in-house, then I'm doing nice. the grade as well. Yeah, I feel like sometimes for those, it might just be easier to just keep it all in Flame. <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah, and you yes. can fine tune it, yeah. you know, however yeah. you need. And yeah, I mean, w yeah, w whatever the case, even if you send it out when it comes back, you have to like dial, <laughs> do some dial up some nice effects, like pop this up, yes, tune yes, that down, of course, of course. <laughs> well, because it, it is hard for colorists, um, depending on the commercial, to see things in context. So sometimes, you know, yeah. depending on what yeah. the shot is. But, um, you know, I recently worked on a project where they pre-graded everything and it was all green screen. So they graded the pl oh. the background plates and then obviously, you know, the, the talent plates who are on green 
And then, um, yeah, you know, it's like you got to adjust things once you get that, which is rare. My workflow for a lot of commercials is you do the comp, you send that out to, it's almost like a feature film workflow. You send that out to grade, gets a great, you know. Yeah, but this was the the reverse. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I, I've done both. Sometimes, uh, I mean, depending on the project. Yeah. During the COVID times, uh, I had to deliver a project pre-comped, but it was like shot on Alexa and Phantom. So these were all different color spaces. Phantom doesn't even have a color space. So I had to pull everything into Ace. Yeah, I mean, it's, Oh really? It, it just is. There isn't like a proper work to way to work with Phantom files. Even Finn tells me so. Okay. <laughs> so I I know that this, this is a fact. Okay, okay. So yeah. so, so I, I yeah, pulled yeah, them okay, in. Gotcha. Most of it was like winging my way, but in the end, it worked okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. I forgot about that with Phantom. Yeah, don't they have a some yes, kind of proprietary transcoder And yeah, then you use, I mean, I use uh, DaVinci Resolve to create Rec 709 or some sort of log files to be graded in Flame or sent out. Yeah, okay. Okay, cool. Um, it seems like you've had a lot of experience helping yeah. junior artists come up. Um, as as a junior artist, what should they, you know, if they wanted to get a job at your current company or the company back in Turkey, like what should they be practicing? I mean, um, or I would, uh, you know, that what uh, the Logic Pro idea came from, like trying me trying to figure out how to train junior artists is there a curriculum what should we be teaching so when i was back in yes. turkey my um it, it's sort of a like a master apprentice thing in turkey because i would have like couple senior artists and when i find a good candidate as a junior i would like stick them together and he would do it and teach at the same time that's how i taught my juniors so oh cool uh, the first thing I do to them is give them a copy of Steve Brickman's uh, Art and Science of Digital Compositing. Oh. Yes, yes, that's um, the, that's the second edition. I I still go back. <laughs> yeah, I I have the yes, I have the second. I still go back to. I mean, you see my yes. bookmark there. Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, it, it, I, I yes. still go back to it. Uh, that's the first thing. Read the first three or four chapters, including colored. That is your okay. entryway. And then please go and read, search for an FX guide, The Art Of, and it's going okay. to bring you The Art Of Color Correction, The Art Of Tracking, The Art Of Keying. There are like eight to 10 oh, articles great. on FXP, FX guide that goes into the history of these techniques. So I would make them That's go and awesome. read those and then starts the hardship of like conforming and then masking. Of course, they all want to do like real comps, like flames, explosions, particles. Whoa, <laughs> master, come on. When, are, when yeah. are we going to do this shit? Well, you're going to do that shit yes, when you have like yes. a lot of experience and it is a boring way yeah. to get there, but you have to go through like 
conforming the timeline, fixing the, the fixing an EDL, uh, making the time warps work. How to cut between two yeah. shots? Because as a flame artist, you have to have a grasp of editing, right? How one to cut a shot. So if the action is going out of frame, you cut while the hand is halfway out of the frame, and the next shot should oh, like yeah. flow into it. So like one frame, two frame trims here and there. You have to know color, you have to know composition. So all these things come out when you are a flame artist. But to get there, you have to know a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, you got to know a lot of stuff. But yeah, having a good foundation is always the best thing before you get into compositing. Uh, uh, and I yeah. also <laughs> tell them there are like, for me, flame works on threes. So front, back, mat. That's a three. Yeah. RGB, that's a three. Color correction, keying or matting or comping, or like just the overall putting of two images together and the mathematics there. So color correction, blending, let's say, and tracking. Those are the other three. Because as far as it goes, in Photoshop, you put two images together and you have to adjust their colors, right? First, you have to put them together. So keying is the first uh, step because you need like a alpha, matte, mask, whatever you call it. You have to know keying, masking, matting, and then put it together. Okay, they're on top of each other, these two images, but for them to look real, their colors should match. So color correction. And then of course, in video, it's always in motion. So tracking. Yes. So one point tracking, two point tracking, four point tracking, planar tracking. And then if you go further, camera tracking. Oh, I know, I know. You know, I'm just curious, is there a, a tracking method you always start with? And then if that fails, you go to your plan B. But for, for me, it's planar tracking. Uh, I look at yeah. the shot. I I know, but for me, it's it's the shot. Sometimes if it's like a, like a small uh, handheld camera and I'm going to like uh, replace a pack, it's just a okay. two point yeah. track. Right. There's like it's no perspective change because that's the first thing. But then it's the planar yeah, track okay. for me. It's great. Seriously. It's, so it's good. great. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a few questions that I asked all the guests. Um Yeah, sure. When it comes to desktops, if you use reels, are you horizontal or vertical? I am horizontal. Okay. I use desktop okay. and I use yeah. reels. I, I'm horizontal as well. I I've tried vertical and then I, I abandon it about 15 minutes after I I attempt. But <laughs> yeah, you have to be rounded to like exactly. stick to them. <laughs> so are you flame or smoke hotkeys? Ah, uh, flame hotkeys. I started with flame, so it's I know for editing purposes they are really fast, but. I mean, my mem muscle memory is like yeah, 30 yeah. years St old. Stick so. with that. Yeah, no, no need to switch it up. It, it's not broken. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Do you no. use yeah. your tablet in front of your keyboard or off to the side? It's in front of my tablet. So, like, monitor, yeah. keyboard, okay. tablet. So, I'm. Yeah, that's how I like do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then yeah. when you're in batch, do you prefer single view, dual view, trip, triple? I know here there might be a six up. Uh, that you can utilize, or I guess it. Um, it's usually one up mm -hmm. for me. Um, well, when I'm deep into the compositing and I need to like compare stuff with 
different batch flows or grading done, only then I go to up. Or if I'm working on a mask on an upstream node and I have to see the uh, result downstream, then I go okay. to up. Yep. Sometimes there is like a reference and the shot I'm working on or the image I'm working on and I need to like adjust something, then it's three up, but never four up. Yeah, it gets too much. Like, where, where should I be focusing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, are there yeah. are there any <laughs> kind of nodes or certain matchboxes that are being incorporated that you're looking forward to utilizing more or? Um, I sometimes just call up arbitrary matchboxes and try to see what they do in weird situations. Um, so I, I try to like experiment with them. Okay, cool. But uh, my favorite matchbox is the noise. Oh, yes. Okay. It's not croc noise. I don't know why. Good old Ivar named it the noise. So it's my go-to noise, like yeah. uh, texture generator for like uh, reflections, oh, displacements, awesome. uh, for adding some texture or like a um, yeah. So uh, instead of using the substance noise, yes. you okay? Because I I love the, I I always go to the substance noise, but okay, I got to explore yes. the noise. The noise. Okay, that's yes. cool. So go nice. It it. Uh, do try the uh, blue pop-up uh, options. And my favorite okay. is Concrete. And there's Fluid Malone. And there are some like developer names up there with very nice uh, textures. Awesome. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check that out the next time I boot yeah. up Flame. <laughs> That's cool. Okay, awesome. All right, well, Sinan, this was awesome. Thank you so much Thank for coming so on much the for show. Your time. And... Um, yeah, thank you. And I can't wait to see that the audio gets uploaded. Yeah, you, um, so. uh, uh, as always, I tell this to everyone and anyone. Uh, please drop me a line on uh, Logic Forum for any of your particle questions. Like uh, if you're stuck on something, if you need ideas, I'm more than happy to help there. Awesome. That's great. All right. Well, thank you so much. Perfect. All thank right. you, Glenn. All right. Thank you. This episode of the Logic Podcast is brought to you by AJA, together with Flame since 2006. We would like to welcome to the Logic family our friends at Hotspring. Hotspring is the future of VFX outsourcing. Hotspring connects you to great artists to get your projects done, making it easier than ever to access the best talent around the world. I highly encourage if you need any help with Roto, Paint, 3D Match Mover Cleanup. Give the folks at Hotspring a shout. You will not be disappointed. www.thehotspring.com And last but not least, Logic Academy Pro. If you haven't checked it out yet, I highly recommend it. There are so many cool courses that range from CG car replacement, cleanup, nuke for flame artists, mocha, color management, VFX supervision, and also meetups for mentoring your career. So check out Pro. Dot logic.tv. Thank you for listening.